I'm gonna say good evening for this one, and what a beautiful day it was today. I mean, look, if you're a Giants fan, after watching that game, you got one thing to say. Phew! Finally, we won. It feels like you haven't won a game in like 18 years, man. And not only that, did we win, you win feeling as though I think we have ourselves our quarterback. You know you're good right after the game they start thinking of nicknames for you. Daniel Jones, or how about Sir Daniel Jones, first of his name, for all of my Game of Thrones fans. Danny Dimes. Those are the two couple that I've heard so far. But I mean, look, coming into this game, earlier in the week it was made official. Giants had benched Eli Manning. They're moving forward with Daniel Jones. And you figure to yourself, look, all you want to see in this game is, does he know the defense? And like I said in my last, my, my, um, two, my second to last episode, can he recognize what he's looking at? Does he know the defense? Does he, ha- does he know how to protect himself against the blitz? Can he lead in the huddle? Everything that we saw and read about him, is it true? That and then some. I mean, look, when you go in your first NFL start, 23 for 36, 336 passing yards, two rush TDs, no interceptions, 28 rushing yards, and two rush TDs. Now, you know what? why the two rush TDs are special? Because in Eli Manning, and we love you, Eli Manning, in his entire 16-year career, Eli Manning has one rushing touchdown. In Daniel Jones' first start, he doubled that and has already surpassed it. I mean, that second rushing touchdown, it came on fourth and five with under a minute to go. No, just over a minute to go. I'm sorry. And you're thinking to yourself, oh, God. Because you've been so scarred in these moments for the past who knows how many years you have PTSD where you're just like, you know what? This is what I'm going to drink after the game because it's going to hurt. And I know my routine <laughs> when I get hurt after these games. But when he ran into the end zone, it was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. It was like they were running the Eli Manning defense. The put pressure on the quarterback, defend the receivers, and pretty much either the pressure gets to him or Eli will make a mistake. And Wow. We haven't seen a giant quarterback run like that in years. And I mean, look, he was as advertised to me. The guy knew what he was looking at. He knew what he was facing. He was able to get himself protected. He was able to do what they said he could do prior to being drafted and becoming a giant. He was accurate with the ball. He's able to make big plays. I mean, When you look at Daniel Jones, this is the second largest comeback win by a rookie ever, ever, ever. In the first half, it was 28-10. Every Giant fan knows in the past, 28-10 means, all right, what other game's on? This one's a wrap. 28-10. And you lose Saquon Barkley. So not only are you thinking this is going to be ugly, We're not even going to be able to probably get a 50-yard succulent Saquon Barkley TD run, or at least a run. And you're thinking, there's no way it could happen. Started the second half, 
what do you get? You get a nice, uh, how should I, it was over 50 yards. I don't know what the 50, uh, the pass was. It was a 75-yard touchdown pass to Evan Ingram, right? Makes it 28-16. Go for two. They get to two. And you're like, wait a minute. It was 18 points just a week ago, week ago. And now you're telling me with like 13 minutes to go in the third quarter, it's a 10-point game? And let me tell you something. As good as Daniel Jones was, the defense, and I'm going to get back to the greatness of Daniel Jones. I don't want to say greatness, but the heroics, because it's only one week, so I don't want to get extra with it. Mike Evans, he torched the defense as if the defense were telling him what coverage they were in, and they were saying, you could go by and catch the ball. In the first half, in the first two weeks of the season, Mike Evans had 89 yards and no touchdowns. By halftime, halftime of this game, he had 146 yards and three touchdowns. That's like a game, and he had that in a week. So you're thinking, all right, he has 146 yards, three touchdowns. We're down 28 to 10. He's probably going to go for over 200 yards, and he's probably going to demolish us with like two more touchdowns, and this is going to be ugly. He winded up with getting one more reception. It was a 55-yard. Oh, at that point in time, you thought it was a killer. Uh, a 55-yard reception, so he wound up with eight receptions, 190 yards, and three touchdowns. Now, for all of the ladies out there that – or I should say ladies, ladies and men, or just people in general that are not into football like that. I'm going to describe to you what happened. The Giants are up 32-31, and they needed to get the ball into field goal range to kick the ball so they could beat the Giants for a field goal. So the number one, and they had to go 75 yards to do this. So your number one objective, if you're on the defense, is no deep passes, keep them in bounce, make them use their timeouts, and make them slowly matriculate the ball down the field. What did they do? Let up a 55-yard bomb and get the ball on the 15-yard line. Then what happens? Look, this is why you love the game. Because love contributes to magic more than anything else. Love is the highest elevation of understanding. Love is more powerful than reason. Love is the death of duty. Love is the most powerful energy that exists, and you could feel the energy with the Giants when they were playing this game. Because allowing that reception to happen, for all of you that don't understand sports, was the equivalent of what is the best man's job on wedding day. The best man's job is to keep and secure the wedding ring. That's the best man's job. So when the priest says, may I have the wedding bands? You don't have the best man going, oh, oh my God. Oh my God. Oh, bro. Oh oh my God. I'm sorry. I think I lost the wedding ring. Everybody looks at you like, unbelievable. You had one job. You had one job. Job and you screwed that up, and then 
The matron of honor says, oh, I'm sorry. I took both the wedding bands by accident. Here you go, sir. And you're like, oh, goodness gracious, thank you for saving me. That's what the missed field goal was. Because when you get the ball at the 15-yard line, that is just a peanut butter and jelly sandwich to any field goal kicker. And the fact that he missed that, it goes back to love. And why I say it contributes to magic more than anything else. For me, I firmly believe in life. And I'm going to get back to sports. But this is a life moment right now. And this is an entertainment podcast. So, yeah, you know, I'm having fun. This is a life moment for me. When you talk about love, hard work is the result of dedication and commitment. But there's only one thing that you get from hard work, and that's results. But all the hard work and effort that you put into something, it's only going to give you like 80%. You have to leave the other 20%. For what? You got to leave it for that magic to come in. And you can't tell me it wasn't magic that allowed the Giants to win today. You can't tell me it wasn't magic when Tyree caught that pass in Super Bowl 42. You can't tell me it wasn't magic when Manningham caught the perfect pass you could catch in Super Bowl 46. You can't tell me it wasn't magic when Julian Edelman caught that pass in the Super Bowl against the Atlanta Falcons to which he literally bobbled it in midair and caught it. Sometimes you have to leave space for love to come in so the magic can happen. And that's what happened today with the Giants. Because at 28 to 10 at halftime, you felt no Barkley, it's over. But then there was a spark. There was something that you saw with Daniel Jones. He was able to show his mobility show his intelligence. He was accurate with passes. He was quick and decisive. He was able to step up in the pocket, evade the rush. Yeah, in the second half, they made some defensive adjustments, and he got lit up. But you know what? He showed his toughness getting hit to the point where it was like, oof, I felt that sitting on the couch. But you know what? That is what is the show's leadership. When he gets up and he says, guys, this is the next play. This is what we're going to do. In my second to last episode, I wanted to see in the huddle, can he articulate the play and be a leader of men? And you saw that in the second half. The energy of the defense kind of picked up. They felt like, we're not going to win this game. This is a typical, oh, oh, you know what? Maybe let me be a little bit more energetic. Let me be a little bit more spry in my step. You saw guys tackling, rushing the passer. I mean, you saw guys like Dexter Lawrence get his first sack in the NFL. You saw a whole bunch of guys on that defense. How about a lot of people felt that the draft of O'Shane Zimenez, what did the Giants do in drafting this player? He was the draft pick that they got, one of the two draft picks that they got when they had acquired, when they traded Odell Beckham. In this game, Mr. Zimenez, he had only four tackles and one of them was the sack. Dexter Lawrence, he was one of the other players that we got in a trade, two tackles and a sack. And Marcus Golden, he had two sacks today, but he was just jumping out of the screen, number 44. I mean, his presence. And the defense as a whole, 
It just felt like the energy picked up when Daniel Jones came in. And it felt like, oh my goodness, they're playing the way. It felt like defense was being played. I mean, you had a whole, like Ryan Connolly, walk on and Wisconsin, right? Didn't even get drafted. Well, he got drafted by the Jets. I'm sorry. He got drafted by a walk on on Wisconsin. Didn't even, was projected. I'm sorry, I said didn't even, was not projected to be a starter for the New York Giants this year. Not only is he a starter, he finished with seven tackles, two of them solo, and an interception. That's playmaking right there. That's what you want. You want guys on the field that are capable of making plays. Right? Now look, defensively, in the first half, this is what was going on. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they were passing deep play-actioning on the Giants. The Giants were playing off coverage, and they were blitzing in terms of setting the house, leaving man-on-man in the backfield. So what what happens? When I say you're playing off coverage, that means you're playing like 5 to 10 yards off the receiver. So if everybody's blitzing at you, the defensive back knows that the receiver is going to either run a short route or go deep because the ball has to come out quickly. And unfortunately, they ran a lot of deep routes and they were being caught. And the adjustment that Betcher made, because you betcha, Betcher was better in the second half. (laughs) What he did was, in the second half, they weren't giving as much space to the receivers. And they were pressing a lot on the line of scrimmage. There was less blitzing and more coverage being played in terms of a safety being in the middle of the field, a linebacker or the other safety dropping to that middle area of the field. And although they were able to get off some pass yards, because let's keep it real, Jameis Winston did pass for 380 yards and three touchdowns. So it's not like they weren't able to move the ball through the air, but the second half adjustments that were made really made a difference because as I aforementioned, Mike Evans, who was killing us, basically had one reception. It was a huge reception, but he was held to one reception in the second half. Now, it also helps that after the interception was thrown by James Winston, that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers moved to more of a running style type of offense to where they were running. It almost looked like the old Pittsburgh Steelers. These guys were just running and walking down the field, but... The Giants made an adjustment for that, too. And I will give it up to Betcher. Although the defense, it needs some work, they made the proper adjustments in the second half. Now, let's get back to the offense. Um, When you look at Evan Ingram coming into this season, a lot of people said this was going to be a breakout year for him. And against the Dallas Cowboys, he had a lot of receptions, but it was like same old, same old. But in this game, Evan had six receptions for 113 yards and a touchdown. The longest one was a 75-yarder. Sterling Shepard, coming back from his concussion, had seven receptions for 100 yards and a touchdown. And that touchdown he had was one beautiful pass by Sir Daniel Charles, Charles Sir Daniel Jones, first of his name. And let's let's uh, talk about Mr. Darius Slayum Slayton. Three receptions, 82 yards, and a beautiful 46-yard reception on a play action from Sir Daniel Jones, first of his name. Very accurate he is down the field. Because one of the things about him was he's smart, he has good touch, he gets the ball down the field, he's accurate, and he's athletic. And I saw all of that. Yes, he fumbled the ball twice. You expect some mistakes as a rookie, and those are his mistakes. But he showed you he has that it factor. 
The it factor is on fourth and five. Are you going to sit there and say, oh, where should I go? This is where I'm supposed to go with the ball. No, he's trying to make the winning play. He's trying to make the winning play. That I'm, Eli's my man, 50 grand. That is a play Eli would not have made. Or he would have gotten tackled and it either would not have been a first down or Eli would have been tackled right before the end zone. And now... When you're playing the Giants, it's not, okay, play uh, soft cover two shell, man up underneath, play games with the defensive line, go get the quarterback, he's going to sit there like a statue. Now you got to sit there and think, how are we going to defend this guy? I mean, after losing Saquon Barkley in the first in the first half, you're thinking to yourself, he only, and, and at that point, it's not even like Saquon Barkley was getting busy. He had eight rushes for 10 yards, averaging a yard a carry almost. 1.3 to be technical for all my uh, mathematical geniuses out there. So it's not like he was killing it rushing. So you had no run game, and you put the game on Daniel Jones' shoulders, and he answered. If you didn't tell me Daniel Jones was a rookie, I wouldn't believe it. The way he was calm, poised, knew what he was doing, knew where he was going, it, it, it was impressive because I will say this. I, I watched a lot of the post game, and a couple things stood out to me that were said. One of them was um, you don't see a lot of rookies come in and have that type of poise. It's been said that the Giants opened up the entire playbook for this game. Meaning that you saw a lot more play action and rollouts in this game in which Daniel Jones was extremely... His first rushing touchdown was a zone read. We all know there is no... That's a play you're not going to run with Eli Manning. But not only do they run it, Daniel Jones gets his first touchdown, which is is a rushing touchdown in the game. I mean, think about it. Daniel Jones is responsible for four touchdowns today. Four. First NFL star, he's responsible for four touchdowns, okay? And when you when, when you see that, you think to yourself, wow, I didn't expect that. Pat Shermer, head coach of the Giants in the postgame, he made a point to me, and I, I'm glad he articulated the way that he did because I'm going to say to you, and this is what I've been saying for years, Pat Shermer said, nowadays in the modern NFL, when the defense knows you're going to pass, they put pass rushers on the field. And these guys are so fast, so tall and long, and they're so athletic. It doesn't matter how much, if you know where you're going and you get the ball out in four seconds. Not everybody's Tom Brady where he just makes it happen week in and week out. You need to have a quarterback with legs that can step up, evade the rush, extend the play, and make a play. And I'm glad that he said that because I've been seeing this trend be so prevalent in the NFL now. And Michael Vick was a trendsetter. He was years before his time. But Michael Vick was all about running. Donovan McNabb was all about running. And I'm not saying they couldn't pass, but that was a weapon in their arsenal. Where now, it's mandatory. It's not a weapon. It's, it's, it's mandatory. You have to, like, look at the last quarterback that was drafted. The guy is a running quarterback. Now, 
to all the people out there that were knocking Gettleman after he had drafted Daniel Jones. And he's not been talking to the media at all. Now you're beginning to see, okay, we see why he was being quiet because he knew what he had. Because sometimes you want to hear the GM come out and defend why he did what he did. And even Pat Shermer started defending why they drafted Daniel Jones. And throughout the draft process, Pat Shermer came out and said that Dwayne Haskins was a great quarterback and that's someone that they would love to have on the Giants. And you know what that was? That was a big fat smokescreen because they didn't want anybody to know that this kid Daniel Jones is the truth. He had a scout. He was going to Princeton was Daniel Jones. This kid is, is legit smart. That's why they can open up the playbook. He was slated to go to Princeton academically. He was ready to give up football. And Duke offered him an opportunity to be a walk-on and play quarterback. And this is where I talk about love and leaving that 20% because love contributes to magic more than anything else. Because when you play football at Duke, no disrespect to all the football players at Duke, you're not playing football at Duke thinking I'm going to make it to the league, nor will I be a a first-round draft pick, nor will I be a top six player drafted. That's why sometimes you got to do it for the love, man. Not for all that other stuff. You got to do it for the love. And a lot of people I know when he was drafted, and I'm speaking of Daniel Jones, a lot of Giant fans felt like, why didn't we take Dwayne Haskins? Is it racial? Are the Giants not ready for a black quarterback? Well, you know what? Who's saying that now? Do you care if the quarterback is black or white? Or do you care that we won today? Now, yeah, we needed some luck. But sometimes it's better to be lucky than good. Maybe the Giants knew all along we're going to take this racism thing. We're going to take this, what are you doing drafting a quarterback nobody ever heard of? We're going to take this, we messed up and we're cutting or we're just releasing players that were paid or trading players that we drafted. Because you saw today why they did what they did. And, you know, one of my buddies at work, said, well, you know, Gettleman is saying all these things and, you know, the ownership came out and said they don't want to see Daniel Jones. Look, I'm truly convinced now. In the world of business, it's about what? Show me the money. Don't listen to what management says. Don't listen to what the coaches say. Listen to what, watch, don't listen. Watch what they do. What did they do? They said, we, we like Dwayne Haskins. That's a guy that would be a great fit for the New York Giants offense. They go with Mr. Sir Daniel Jones, first of his name. They say, look, we feel that with this team, we could win, win with Eli. If Daniel Jones touches the field, it would mean a disaster has happened. We don't want him to touch the field. And what happens third game in? He starts and he wins. Don't listen to what they say, watch what they do, okay? Because they can sit there. How many years in a row being a Giant fan have you heard, this is a playoff team, we're going to make the playoffs, we can win with Eli. 
And then you start off one and seven, and you're like, yo, come on, man. That's why you don't listen. Watch. They rebuilt this offensive line, and I will say this. <sighs> Reamers and Solder, they had a rough day today. Because in the second half, when the Tampa Bay Buccaneers wanted to bring it, they brung it. Now, Soldiers and Reamers, they made plays when they had to, but that's something that they need to work on. Chipping the, 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 those defensive ends and outside linebackers blitzing with a running back, maybe running a lot of double tight end so you can have these tight ends chip them, maybe help in pass protection something. But it looks like we have a player here. And another thing that I like about this Daniel Jones kid, if you're a rookie and you have a Pro Bowl running back that's out, first start for a legend, future Hall of Famer, and Eli Manning, and all those people that say he's not making a Hall of Fame, stop. Stop. Top 10 in passer yards, top 10 in touchdowns, two-time Super Bowl MVP, beat an undefeated New England Patriots with Tom Brady, and if you didn't think it was good enough, he did it twice, and beat them at 46. Right? One of only five players to be a two-time Super Bowl MVP. I'm, all right, I'm sorry, I got off track. So he, 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 um, he, he, Daniel Jones took over for Eli Manning, 28 to 10. I like the fight that he had to go through the adversity of being down 28 to 10. And as a rookie leading these guys to victory, that shows me that he has it, that he's tough. He has passion. He has pride. He plays for the love of the game. He doesn't play for the name on his back. He plays for the logo on his helmet. Yeah, he's getting paid. Obviously, money at the end of the day is part of it. They all getting paid. But this is the thing, too. I was having a conversation with somebody special to me, and they said, you know, would you be... And I was happy after the game. I was happy. They said, would you be as this happy and calling him Daniel Dimes or Sir Daniel Jones, first of his name, or saying he's this and that, that and this, if they would have lost? And I said, you know what? I probably wouldn't be this excited. I probably wouldn't be saying it. Yeah, you're right. I would probably say he's, he did enough to where you could see he could play. But is, was it his fault? Or that 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 defensively they allowed that reception to occur? No. He did his job. He did enough to win. But when you win, it changes the narrative completely. Because we're talking about a new era and how Danny Dines is that dude. But if they would have won this game, the narrative would have been the Giants defense once again when they need a stop, don't get to stop, and the Giants lose. As we all know, in the world of sports, winning is the best deodorant ever. I could hate you. I could not like you. But if we're playing together, we're going to be best of friends because we have one thing in common, winning. That's what it's all about. Because when you get to college, it's about winning. Because if you, well, if you go to the right college, and when I say right college, you go to a college like Alabama, Ohio State, a Notre Dame, a Georgia, a Clemson, a Texas, an Auburn, an Oregon, 
of Michigan, those schools are all about winning national championships, if not winning every game that they play. And like I said with Daniel Jones, he went to Duke. Duke being ranked in the top 25, which I believe they were when he was there, that's winning a championship in itself. But when you hit that college level, it's about winning. If you go to that high school that's a factory that sends kids to college, it's about winning in high school too. When you're a little kid, it's about playing because you like it and it's fun. But winning is why we play the game. I don't know why nowadays people put such a low value on winning. Because Daniel Jones made a lot of mistakes in this game. But for me to be talking about his mistakes would be disrespecting what he did. Because when you win, it's an it factor that's associated with that. When you're down 18 points and you come back and win, that says that you have something that they can't put in you and they can't take out. Oh, I mean, this game was, 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 was one of those games where I can't believe 30 minutes have already gone by and I spoke, I've been talking about this. I had nothing written. I'm straight up freestyling right now because it's in me and I just want to get it out. But look, this was one game. Let's keep it in perspective. We still got the Patriots. We still got the Vikings. We still got the Packers. But you know what I know? What I do know? We have our quarterback. Now teams can't play us a type of way. And even though next week we're not going to have um, Saquon Barkley, and early reports are he has a high ankle sprain. And let me tell you something. High ankle sprain means he's going to be out at least three to four weeks, if not six. So Eli, so Barkley's going to be gone for the next month and a half. Put that in your head. If he's not, great. But if it's a high ankle sprain, it is. And for a running back to have a high ankle sprain, that's something that could affect him for the rest of the season. Now, in saying that, another beautiful thing that came out of this victory is now you know you don't need a Saquon Barkley-esque game to win. That's another thing that comes out of this victory is you can put it all on Daniel Jones' shoulders and he's shown he can take it and he can do it. I don't want to talk you guys to death, but I might, I'm going to end this episode right now and I might talk to you guys again in a couple days about Daniel Jones, Sir Daniel Jones, first of his name, Danny Dimes, whatever else we choose to call him. But for now, I'm going to end this podcast with a positive note. And the positive note is, if God is making you wait, then be prepared to receive more than you ask for. If God is making you wait, then be prepared to receive more than you ask for. Shout out to my man, Danny Dimes, a.k.a. Daniel Jones. Every superstar should have their own theme music. Lil Wayne, Go DJ. That's the theme song. And saying that, thank you for listening. Bye-bye, everybody.